0: chapter Five of revolution and counter-revolution or germany in eighteen forty eight this librivox recording is in the public domain revolution and counter-revolution or germany in eighteen forty eight by karl marx chapter Five, the vienna insurrection november twelfth eighteen fifty one on the twenty fourth of february eighteen forty eight louis philippe was driven out of paris and the french republic was proclaimed on the thirteenth of march following the people of vienna broke the power of prince metternich and made him flee shamefully out of the country on the eighteenth of march the people of berlin rose in arms and after an obstinate struggle of eighteen hours had the satisfaction of seeing the king surrender himself into their hands simultaneous outbreaks of a more or less violent nature but all with the same success, occurred in the capitals of the smaller states of Germany. The German people, if they had not accomplished their first revolution, were at least fairly launched into the revolutionary career. As to the incidents of these various insurrections, we cannot enter here into the details of them. What we have to explain is their character, the position which the different classes of the population took up with regard to them. The revolution of Vienna may be said to have been made by an almost unanimous population. The bourgeoisie, with the exception of the bankers and stock-jobbers, the petty trading class, the working people, one and all, arose at once against a government detested by all, a government so universally hated that the small minority of nobles and money-lords which had supported it made itself invisible on the very first attack the middle classes had been kept in such a degree of political ignorance by Metternich that to them the news from Paris about the reign of anarchy, socialism, and terror, and about impending struggles between the class of capitalists and the class of laborers, proved quite unintelligible. They, in their political innocence, either could attach no meaning to these news, or they believed them to be fiendish inventions of Metternich to frighten them into obedience. They, besides, had never seen workingmen acting as a class, or stand up for their own distinct class interests. They had, from their past experience, no idea of the possibility of any differences springing up between classes that now were so heartily united in upsetting a government hated by all. They saw the working people agree with themselves upon all points. A constitution, trial by jury, liberty of the press etc thus they were in march eighteen forty eight at least heart and soul with the movement and the movement on the other hand at once constituted them the at least in theory predominant class of the state but it is the fate of all revolutions that this union of different classes which in some degree is always the necessary condition of any revolution cannot subsist long no sooner is the victory gained against the common enemy than the victors become divided among themselves into different camps and turn their weapons against each other it is this rapid and passionate development of class antagonism which in old and complicated social organisms makes a revolution such a powerful agent of social and political progress it is this incessantly quick upshooting of new parties succeeding each other in power which, during those violent commotions, makes a nation pass in five years over more ground than it would have done in a century under ordinary circumstances. The revolution in Vienna made the middle class the theoretically predominant class. That is to say, the concessions wrung from the government were such as, once carried out practically and adhered to for a time, would inevitably have secured the supremacy of the middle class but practically the supremacy of that class was far from being established. It is true that by the establishment of a National Guard which gave arms to the bourgeoisie and petty tradesmen that class obtained both force and importance. It is true that by the installation of a Committee of Safety, a sort of revolutionary, irresponsible government in which the bourgeoisie predominated, it was placed at the head of power. But at the same time the working classes were partially armed, too. They and the students had borne the brunt of the fight, as far as fight there had been. And the students, about four thousand strong, well armed, and far better disciplined than the National Guard, formed the nucleus, the real strength of the revolutionary force, and were no ways willing to act as a mere instrument in the hands of the Committee of Safety though they recognized it and were even its most enthusiastic supporters they yet formed a sort of independent and rather turbulent body deliberating for themselves in the aula keeping an intermediate position between the bourgeoisie and the working classes preventing by constant agitation things from settling down to the old every-day tranquillity and very often forcing their resolutions upon the committee of safety the working man, on the other hand almost entirely thrown out of employment had to be employed in public works at the expense of the state and the money for this purpose had of course to be taken out of the purse of the taxpayers or out of the chest of the city of vienna all this could not but become very unpleasant to the tradesmen of vienna the manufactures of the city calculated for the consumption of the rich and aristocratic courts of a large country were as a matter of course entirely stopped by the revolution by the flight of the aristocracy and court trade was at a standstill and the continuous agitation and excitement kept up by the students and working people was certainly not the means to restore confidence as the phrase went thus a certain coolness very soon sprung up between the middle classes on the one side and the turbulent students and working people on the other and if for a long time this coolness was not ripened into open hostility it was because the ministry and particularly the court in their impatience to restore the old order of things constantly justified the suspicions and the turbulent activity of the more revolutionary parties and constantly made a rise even before the eyes of the middle classes the spectre of old metternichian despotism thus on the fifteenth of may and again on the sixteenth there were fresh risings of all classes in vienna on account of the government having tried to attack or to undermine some of the newly conquered liberties and on each occasion the alliance between the national guard or armed middle class the students and the workingmen was again cemented for a time As to the other classes of the population, the aristocracy and the money lords had disappeared, and the peasantry were busily engaged everywhere in removing down to the very last vestiges of feudalism. Thanks to the war in Italy and the occupation which Vienna and Hungary gave to the court, they were left at full liberty and succeeded in their work of liberation in Austria better than in any other part of Germany. The Austrian Diet had very shortly after only to confirm the steps already practically taken by the peasantry and whatever else the government of prince schratzenberg may be enabled to restore it will never have the power of re-establishing the feudal servitude of the peasantry and if austria at the present moment is again comparatively tranquil and even strong it is principally because the great majority of the people the peasants have been real gainers by the revolution and because whatever else has been attacked by the restored government those palpable substantial advantages conquered by the peasantry are as yet untouched london october eighteen fifty one end of chapter five